Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilots License Flight Number 9 with service to William McKinley High School in Lima, Ohio. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember that our in-flight beverage service, we will only be serving red slushies thrown directly in your face while singing a cappella backbeats. Welcome to the TV Pilots License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, and I am joined by Max Singer and Rich Inman. How are you boys hey. doing today? Oh, excellent. I'm, I'm so ready to for our first ever musical episode where we're going to sing the entire time. Yeah, Jeff, can I get a middle C, please? Uh, <laughs> I, I think it was close. Uh, but Max, for close those who are... <laughs> for those who are first-time guests or maybe new to the podcast, can you tell us a little bit what this podcast is really about? So thanks for flying with TV Pilots License today, gang. Uh, we are a podcast that analyzes strictly the pilot episodes of famous and infamous TV shows from throughout the years. We break them down, figuring out what works, what we're liking, if these shows we made today, and if we're interested in continuing to watch them. Rich, Max, I'm super excited to have you two joining me as my co-pilots. But we're talking about Glee today. We're talking about music. And while having a trio in music is nice, I'm a big fan of a solid quartet. And I think we need to make this podcast into that quartet. Our guest pilot today is one of many hats. She is a writer, actor, and podcaster, as well as most notably a former high school choir singer. She is currently... A writer for iCarly, which you can find on Paramount Plus, and guest starring as Janae on the new Hulu show Reboot. Please make sure to press your call buttons and welcome Karama Donkwa to the podcast. Ooh, Karama. Yay, Karama! Hey. The rumors are oh true. I am an alto. <laughs> I was just about to ask Karama. I, as a former choir singer myself, I always like to know what the. Uh, what the hype was, what position you sat. I feel like you were a baritone or a baritoner. Uh, You are correct. I uh, also sometimes in dire straits was a tenor, but we'll not talk about those times. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, okay. So am I the only one that didn't do anything singing related in high school? Yeah, get out. (laughs) I didn't write this on the intro thing, but I also did college acapella. So, like, I'm just scummy oh, all around. Wait, what was the name of your college acapella group? This yeah, is we important, need to know. Important question. So I, was in, I was in a Jewish acapella group, which makes this all the better, because they have the best <laughs> pun names. Um, and our group is called the Aleph Beats. For the Hebrew school dropouts, um, the first two <laughs> letters of the Hebrew dropout. are Aleph and Bet. So, Aleph Bet, Aleph Beat. Love it. Absolutely. No bar for day for you. <laughs> oh Hebrew school dropout. <laughs> Hebrew school dropout. We're talking about Glee today. You requested this show. So before we get to Rich's question of the week, I'd love to hear what your relationship is like with Glee. I first watched Glee when it when the pilot first aired in May of 2009. I was still in high school. I was a senior in high school. So I was a, a wee lass of 18 years old. But um, I remember watching it and then going to my voice teacher and talking to her about it during my precious voice lesson time. And I was like, this is the best TV show I've ever seen. And I was just really excited to feel like I was being represented on TV and all of my like dumb choir kid weirdness. I and mean, so it's always held a space in my heart for that. Well, Rich, you talked about how you weren't involved in like choir or anything like that. Does that have something to do with maybe your question of the week? 
I, it does. Uh, I'm curious to see hear everyone's answer to this, but uh, my question for everyone this week is: What is the dorkiest uh, club meeting or event you had to go to in high school? Oh, Karama has an immediate answer. <laughs> no, the problem is I can't answer. They were all bad. Um, <laughs> I think that I think this was cool, which means it probably was. But my high school had. Um, a macapella group. Um, Hold on. What is macapella? It's acapella without the alcohol. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I just got that one. Um, oh, damn it. <laughs> it's a cappella, but you do only parody songs. Um, so we had a macapella group. It was seniors only. And you had to audition to get in. And the rule was you couldn't be in any of the school's acapella groups because we had two acapella groups and um, you couldn't be in the acapella groups and also be in the macapella group because they were like, it's for the most interesting voices in the school, which people read as bad because it was mostly bad singers. Um, but you could be in choir and still be in the macapella group. So I had that little loophole where it didn't matter if I was a good singer. I wasn't good enough to get into the acapella groups, but I was good enough to get into the macapella group, which was called the Soggy Cheerios. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> that was my cool activity that I did my senior year of high school. <laughs> I was also in a very cool uh, music group in my high school days. I sang in Madrigal Choir. What does that nice. mean? Uh, Madrigal Choir is basically like a Renaissance songs choir. So you're doing a lot of like 14th and 15th century. Uh, oh, uh, man. What, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? Like non-religious. Uh, it's a lot of songs secular. about the plague. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like secular tudes about like drinking wassail and things like that. Uh, the woman at our high school who ran our choir and ran Magical Choir also directed all the musicals. And there was kind of this expectation that if you wanted to get any sort of supporting role or lead in the musicals, you were going to do Mads. So that's what we called it. We called it Mads because we were hip like that. <laughs> and, you know, you, you have her walk up to you in the hallway and you're like, oh, if I have to sing Wasail one more fucking time, she's like, there's some pretty good parts in the musical for next year. You're doing magicals, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just absolutely getting blackmailed into singing the dorkiest stuff imaginable. Holy shit. So, um, oh, go, go ahead, Rich. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm super excited to hear your answer, Jeff. Oh, yeah, God. Rich is like, I played baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I well, had athletic I, ability and hand-eye coordination. So I I also did sports in high school, but I did the nerdiest sport, which was rowing, uh, which basically they took all the kids who couldn't, who didn't have hand-eye coordination and were like, let's put them in a boat, boat and see if they drown. Um, <laughs> but as far as a club, um, not only did we have choir, we had honors choir, y'all. And so I had to try out for honors choir I got in because someone had too many academic priorities. So I did not originally make the cut, but jokes on all of them because I had the privilege of doing the solo at, we did a, um, our school was slightly progressive and we had a pride day, right? Which was awesome. Very cool. 2008. What a year. Uh, wow. But yeah, but at the same time, I got chosen to sing the solo for that event. And it was True Colors, lovely song. But at the end, if we all remember, you say like a rainbow at the end. And it was also 2008. So all of my male peers, when I just 
acapella saying that, not as pleased as I was to get that solo. So, uh, oh you know, maybe that's a great transition into Glee as a whole. But <laughs> I, I feel like if you had too many academic commitments to take on Honors Choir, you definitely have a legal prescription for Xanax now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rich, you're so cool. Why? What is oh, your no. geeky thing? I have the I have probably the the lamest answer of all of these because it wasn't even like an exciting outcome to this. There was no music being made. I joined a club in uh in in high school where it was about like it was supposed to be like environmental or like renewable resources for the school, and I was like, yeah, we're gonna get solar panels installed for our for the school pool, for, uh, so we don't have to like use uh, uh we don't have to spend money on the energy to heat the pool anymore. Um, not only did we not do that. Uh, we spent the entire time only learning how to, out how to fill. I'm sorry, learning how to fill out a grant application for a total of four straight months, and then uh, set it up so we would never even have the solar panels while I actually went to school there, and we wouldn't actually have any important like deductions and energy costs until actually it still wouldn't be in effect right now. It would have been like 2025. Let's give a quick synopsis of the show as a whole. A group of ambitious and talented kids find strength, acceptance, and ultimately their voices in this uplifting musical comedy. Max, once again, we're two for two on shows tracking with their synopsis, but I'd love to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is an accurate one. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear more about how Glee got made. Absolutely. So today we are talking about Glee, the pilot so nice they aired it twice. Uh, originally an air date of May 19th, 2009, and again on September 2nd, 2009, with an extended director's cut. What? Uh, what? Release the Murphy yeah. cut. Yeah, so... um. I hate this thing that shows do, and they do it a lot more now, especially where they air a pilot and they give you four months to just completely forget about it before airing more episodes. Uh, at least Glee had the courtesy to not only re-air its pilot, but air more of it before they got into the rest of season one. Uh, but for the purposes of this section today, we're going to be talking about three important people, Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk, and Ian Brennan. And we're going to start off with Ryan Murphy. Uh, the pride of Indiana University, the alma mater of myself, Rich, and Jeff. Sorry, Karama. Yeah. I'm uh, fine. <laughs> uh, so Murphy grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. He was a journalism major at Indiana University in scenic Bloomington, Indiana, and a member of the Singing Hoosier Show Choir there, uh, wow. an organization that the three of us have many friends who were a part of in their college years. Uh, afterwards, Murphy did something that not any of us uh, did, which is he used his degree and became a journalist working for organizations <laughs> like the New York Times and the LA Times while also pursuing screenwriting. Uh, in the late 90s, he sold his first script, a rom-com called Why Can't I Be Audrey Hepburn to a little director named Steven Spielberg. You know, as you do when you just sell your first screenplay to fucking Spielberg. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, wow. That film was never made, but it got Murphy the attention to co-create the teen comedy series Popular, which which ran over on the WB network for two seasons. Uh, from there, he goes on to create Nip Tuck for FX, which runs hey. from 03 to 2010. He gets his first Emmy nominations in there. Uh, Murphy also writes and directs the feature film adaptation of the Augustine Burroughs memoir, running with Scissors in 2006, and is now having an estimated net worth of approximately $1 bajillion through his contracts <laughs> with FX and Netflix. 
Uh, well, I so, didn't know they calculated it out, and finally, they, they finally <laughs> counted all those dollars. And so many, so many commas in Ryan Murphy's deals now. <laughs> um, so the original script itself was written by an actor and screenwriter named Ian Brennan back in 2005. Uh, he conceived this actually as a feature film based on his experiences in show choir in the suburbs of Illinois. Uh, Brennan and his friend Mike Novick uh, happen to have a little connection through Novick's gym, uh, he happens to work out with Ryan Murphy. So <laughs> Novick agrees to give Ryan Murphy a copy of Brennan's script. And for maybe the only time in history, it is read. <laughs> Murphy then reconceives and retools the entire show with one of his nip-tuck writers, Brad Falchuk, and they overhaul it into an actual series from the feature that Brennan wrote. It gets pitched to Fox and allegedly was greenlit by Fox 15 hours after the script was received. That's, that, that's the number I found. The story goes at 15, 15 hours, hours from receiving I would have done it faster. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's why you're the best, Karama. That's why you're the best in the biz. Put, put Karama in the executive board, you cowards. Uh, so 15 hours later, Murphy and Falchuk become the executive producers and showrunners. Brennan comes on a co-executive producer. And Novik, the guy from the gym, a producer... Uh, that main trio of Brennan, Murphy, and Falchuk are actually the only writers for the show's first two seasons. An incredible fact, considering these are like 20-something episode seasons. And that takes us to our episode. You guys ready to jump in? Oh, yeah. Let's All do right. it. So, places, please. <laughs> Thank you, places. So, Thank you, five. <laughs> Thank you, places. So we start off sort of in this interesting way of just like being introduced to the Cheerios, which at first seems like a odd choice especially given all the marketing that the show had of it being very music centric and then we are also introduced to one of my favorites um we get to see sue sylvester played by jane lynch um who absolutely just destroys it with her first line of seeing this beautiful choreography and then she says it was garbage and rubbish and terrible <laughs> Um, I do have to think that Sue Sylvester was the inspiration for then Netflix's cheer, uh, because that coach was also a huh. nightmare of a human being. I'm sure she's very nice, but she should not be coaching children. Um, as did, did Glee invent cheerleading? <laughs> Bring it How on, gates, my Bring first it thoughts on are this... Gabrielle Union invented cheerleading. Let's be very, very clear. Yes. <laughs> After this beautiful choreography we sort of get started to meet the characters through the eyes of will shu um mr shu as all the students call him seems to be a middle-aged or middle-aged he's in his 30s probably most likely um spanish teacher who is not spanish which i always find interesting uh, mm. And then very talking about cultural appropriation, <laughs> this is the first instance that we're going to see something problematic in the show. Um, but not the last. Not the, <laughs> not even in this pilot. Stay tuned. No. Um, I mean, Jane Lynch has already made a water boating joke at this point. I think we're I think we're past problematic first, references. The very first line of the entire show is, I know. you think that's hard? Try being waterboarded. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> As we go through, though, we see finn uh finn is then picking on kurt and they're throwing him into a dumpster all of that stuff and then we follow mr Shu, and we sort of get the idea that maybe glee was something that wasn't um he's looking at a trophy case there's a 1993 regional champs or 
Was it regionals or national champions trophy that was in there? Um, I believe it was national. Oh, see, that's even more impressive. Mm-hmm. More of the glory days. Um, and on Get you one of these. On Get the you trophy, one of these. <laughs> on the trophy, uh, there's also a in memoriam uh, for the previous Glee uh, director. And it says, by its very definition, Glee is about opening yourself up to joy i could only think of the community line from the community episode of glee where they were like glee literally means glee and that's all that <laughs> was in my head for the entire scene i just oh, was no. cracking up i love a pilot that just puts its entire thesis like right in center screen for you zoomed in there's such a juxtaposition of like jane lynch's um waterboarding comment and then it's just like oh but like doesn't this bring joy and like the reminiscing of high school at all. Like, did you guys feel that at all while watching at least the first couple minutes? I mean, for me, no, because it's, it seems like there's only like maybe 13 kids that go to this, uh, this entire high school and they keep running through. I don't know. It just seems like it's a very light uh, number of people. We do get to see the current Glee director uh, played by Steven Tobolowski, who oh, I'm absolutely iconic character actor. Everything that comes out of his mouth is solid gold. We find out that he's sort of a perv um, as he's feeling up the uh, abdomen of a young male uh, student. And we then, for a brief second, get to see whom one of the main characters is, Rachel Berry, played by Leah Michelle. I know most people listening to this podcast probably want to hear us talk about Leah Michelle a lot. We're going to. Just wait a second. <laughs> We're getting into it. We sort of skip time a little bit and find out that um, the choir director is fired and then Mr. Shu goes and asks to become the choir director and that's where we find out about, hey, you have to pay me $60 a month so I don't use that auditorium space to be a um, AA meeting center um, the principal is played by Iqbal Theba, who absolutely murders the role. Like the small bits he's oh, given so are hysterical. And I truly feel like he's the only person who's giving me vibes of like, yes, I'm a public educator and I am not getting nearly enough money to be here whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, like, is this a public school? Do we, yes. do we, okay. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. are they doing renting it out to AA? <laughs> oh, so we need to talk a little bit about Lima, Ohio. Um, so Lima, Ohio, for those who don't know, is the main business there is they ha- make all of Tide in Lima, Ohio. Like Procter & Gamble Tide, the Tide Pods made in Lima, Ohio, as well as that big orange carton. So the entire s- city smells like soap. Um, oh, God. It is a wild thing. No one's thing. got cleaner water, though. But, like, that's also one of the interesting things. They say, like, oh, hey, we don't have that much money. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, there's a... Procter & Gamble pays so well. <laughs> All right, Rich, we'll see you later. <laughs> I, I was expecting pull a, a Tide Pod. Pull a George Costanza. Just yeah. walk out. You're not going to do any better than that. All right. This is now a Tide Pod. Max. <laughs> <laughs> goes on um we just sort of like mr shu gets the agreement we then start to go through the fastest paced pilot i've ever seen of trying to cram every single character into 45 minutes of show um the first singer max what did you think of mercedes Jones? i want this on the record 
the actress who plays Mercedes Jones has the best voice in this damn pilot, and she mm-hmm. is underserved, like, in every shape or form. Like, no, you know, I don't want any harm on Ryan Murphy, but fuck him for underserving <laughs> this character. Yeah, yeah Amber mm-hmm. Riley destroys this audition song, destroys this episode, just absolutely crushing it. Uh, coming out of the gate, just Guns blazing, belting respect by Aretha Franklin for her audition number. Uh, Destroying it. If I am the kid in the hallway following this up, I am absolutely quaking at this point. There's no way that I want to be the person that has to follow up Mercedes Jones. Uh, Yeah, I I think this is the best audition number we see. These audition song choices are all over the place. I think a lot of them uh, are sung well, but not really delivering the character uh, definitely, like, they all have voice teachers, but not vocal coaches to actually perform these numbers, mm-hmm. except for Mercedes, who demolishes this. Uh, it's then followed up by a Mr. Cellophane rendition by Kurt, who is not really delivering what I expect out of my Amos hearts to bring me. Uh, he's singing it very pretty. There's no real pain or strife or grief in this performance that I want out of my Amos's. Uh, That's going to take us to uh, Tina's I Kissed a Girl, complete with a very forward crotch chop. (laughs) I have to say, my favorite thing about Tina in this pilot is that she stutters when she writes her name. She goes, Tina, on the audition sheet. I am shocked that joke stayed between the first airing of the pilot and the director's cut, to be honest. And then we get the queen herself. Let's talk about the actress in the room and Leah Michelle. Um, so this entire, like, I think one of the things that the show does well that a lot of pilots have to do or some choose to do is they try to fit exposition using narration um, and like these small little miniature montages. And Leah's is, or Rachel Berry's no, is no, 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 like... No, 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 no. It's Leah's. It, it, it it's is Leah. Leah. It is Leah. L- Leah Michelle's montage is like, you do sort of feel bad for her. I remember I was brought back, transported back to like how nasty some people can be. And like, you can tell she was, let's be honest, she was groomed to try to be a star by her parents. Um, and I, I want to talk about Rachel Berry, but we just have to talk about Leah Michelle. Leah Michelle <laughs> has so much going on right now. And I don't even know where to start. Karama, what are your thoughts on Leah Michelle? So I can I'm organize so mine. I'm so um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna mute my microphone. Karama, you have the floor for at least forty-five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I am first and foremost a general hater. I I'm a hater. <laughs> I believe in haters' rights. I think it's okay to hate. <laughs> but secondary to being a hater generally, I am a hater of Leah Michelle. But I will say, watching this pilot again, and I have not watched this pilot since June. <laughs> so watching this four pilot ago. again. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching this pilot again, and prior to watching it in June, I hadn't seen it in many years. But watching the pilot again, I was impressed with the way that they were able to balance showing that Rachel Berry is an unlikable character, but also making us feel bad for her, which is like a little bit how I personally feel about Leah Michelle. I think that she is mm. deeply unlikable. I don't think that people owe, especially women, owe society likability. The reason that she is unlikable is because she does racist things and is bad. Like, 
I'm not saying, oh, she's she's like a Jennifer Lawrence thing where I'm like, mm, I don't know what it is about her. I know exactly what it is about her. <laughs> I know exactly what it is about Leah Michelle that I do not like. And I will get to the literacy rumors momentarily. I promise, <laughs> listeners, I'm getting to that. But Leah Michelle has been difficult publicly since she was a child. I watched an interview of her when she was like 12, and I was like, wow, I would not want to work with that child. And like, I work with a child currently. I write on a show that has a child. I know what children are like. That was an unlikable child. Was she a, like a child actor, child star yes. person? Is that okay. okay. She started off playing um, young Cosette yeah. in yeah. Les Mis on Broadway, uh, yeah. singing. She would. So um, she did start her career on Broadway. She's most known for playing, um, I think it was Wendla in Wendla the, the OBC of Spring Awakening. Yeah, yeah. In the original Broadway production of Spring Awakening. Um, and she also did Ragtime. She was in Ragtime. She was in Ragtime? That's my favorite musical. <laughs> I don't know if she was in the original cast of Ragtime, but she did do Ragtime as a child. So she did uh, Les Mis, she did Ragtime, she did Spring Awakening. So by the time that Glee comes out, she is like a big like pop Broadway sensation because Spring Awakening was also a la Wicked, very popular amongst teenagers. Like God, I remember living they did in the tri-state area me. in the theater community when Spring Awakening came out on Broadway, <laughs> the chokehold that this show and this cast, I know people who made their entire personalities Spring Awakening. Their rooms were wall-to-wall posters from magazines about this cast. They were camping mm -hmm. out for rush tickets. They were and rock For stars. a lot of people, this was probably the first nudity you ever saw in your so, life because yeah. you were a theater kid. <laughs> <laughs> my, my fun Leah Michelle story is I had the privilege of seeing Spring Awakening's original Broadway cast, um, but I saw it with my parents sitting on oh, either no. side of me. Oh no. And oh, you were sandwiched. <laughs> we went, we sat down. My dad got the tickets only hearing it was the hottest thing on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Cool. Wonderful seats. Um, and I will say, um, I forget who was the male star, but he was a spitter. So like, we were very glad <laughs> still, we were- Jonathan Groff is still a spitter. Yeah. He's Jonathan, still to this day. Jonathan yeah. Groff, first five rows all have Jonathan Groff DNA within their system. <laughs> um, but then the scene comes up where they have sex and my parents just like I could hear their hearts stop because, <laughs> because it was so hot could never look at Leah Michelle quite the same even when Glee started I remembered oh shit I that's saw that, what you're that's that lady so the lore about <laughs> Leah Michelle's audition for Glee is that she got into a car accident on her way to her audition on the lot so she comes in with glass in her hair and her like book with her sheet music gives it to the pianist he starts she's like no 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 you have played it wrong start over again i will say when i was like 18 19 and i heard that i was like that is so badass like just to keep, <laughs> yeah just and the dying. other driver died <laughs> <laughs> so leah michelle generally unlikable difficult uh people who have worked as background actors on the show have said that she referred to them as like, I think it was cockroaches. And she's not a good person. Good God. And she loves Barbara Streisand. All she ever wanted was to be in the revival of Funny Girl. Now for people who are not musical theater people, or the not current Jewish. revival of Funny Girl, <laughs> the current revival of Funny Girl is the only revival ever. So there are three people who have been cast to play Fanny Bryce on the stage. Barbara Streisand, Beanie Feldstein, and Leah Michelle. 
whose wow. life goal it was. And my whole thing, again, I am a hater. Don't want her to succeed. <laughs> my whole thing, there are two things. One, I think that Fanny Bryce should be played by a Jewish woman. And one thing that Glee did was convince the world that Leah Michelle was Jewish when she is a practicing Catholic. Oh and my God. She has a Jewish father. Catholics are not Jews. I feel like we can all agree on that. Catholics are not Jews. Just days before, just days before this podcast was recorded though, she did get excellent reviews for the New York Times and uh, critic Jesse Green can finally have his family return to him by Leah Michelle. <laughs> My second thing is I don't believe in rewarding people with their dream roles after they have been exposed for continued bad behavior in the workplace. It's not Amen. even a personal thing. It's the workplace. Mm. So that's why I am a Leah Michelle hater. And now I will talk about whether or not she can read. <laughs> the answer is, of course she can read. Of course mm -hmm. she can read. Factually, yep. Leah Michelle can read. Spiritually, Leah Michelle cannot read. And here's <laughs> the thing, the thing about her literacy, those rumors I think started in like 2015. Um, there's like some great videos online that can go more in depth than I have time to. Part of it is that she released a book called Brunette Ambition. First of all, dumb, dumb title. Um, she released a book called Brunette Ambition. That's the least Ambition. interesting hair color. <laughs> Uh, and most of it is like pictures and recipes oh. and oh. not like words. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. And, please, um, please don't, please don't make me a Leah Michelle truther by the end of this podcast. <laughs> um, and I, I can only go her, on so many more YouTube tangents. A lot of her Instagram captions were just emojis. Oh um, my god, no. And not oh, any no. words. And it's just oh, funny so she, because... she speaks Egyptian then. She's speaking in hieroglyphics. <laughs> Uh, ancient Egyptian, yes. She's ancient a, Egyptian. She's a, she's a purveyor of the classics. Um, <laughs> but like, the funny thing about the rumor that Leah Michelle cannot read is that she, one, she did not address it for years. She wouldn't like say, yes, I can read. And even recently, she was like, I think it's misogynistic that people say that about me. And I'm like, okay, but you didn't say you can read. Her rebuttal <laughs> was like, I always knew my lines. And it's like, right. that, doesn't, that doesn't back it up. <laughs> that is not she, the answer. She, she drumlined us. She Nick Cannon and drumlined us. Oh she, my God. <laughs> she just oh, yeah. listened to cast recordings. She just listened to cast recordings. Well, no, and then that's the other thing. Apparently, she never wanted like sheet music or lyric sheets on the set of Glee. She would listen to the original recordings. And I think that learning through listening is a valid way to learn. But yeah, does it back up the rumor that she can't read? Yes, it does. <laughs> and then the other thing is, Spring Awakening recently got back together and they're recording a new cast album. Mm -hmm. And every, there was a video that somebody made of them in the studio. Everyone else had sheet music on their music stand and Leah did not. Leah did not. And I know that she knows the show. I know that she knows the entire show. There's no reason for her to have to look at sheet music. But when you're the only one, isn't that suspicious? But do I, mean, I think I she can read? I would just be doing it. Yes, I think she can read. But will I say, Leah Michelle can't read? Yes. Am I making fun of the approximately 15 to 20% of adults in this in this country that have issues with literacy? No, Absolutely I not. am only making fun of Leah Michelle. <laughs> wow, wow. I mean, that that was a great breakdown of friend of the pod, Leah Michelle. <laughs> Leah, if you're, listen uh, not Leah, after if you're listening, text me. <laughs> so Rachel Berry comes up. <laughs> 
takes to the stage, mm -hmm. finds her light, and starts to sing On My Own from Les Miserables, a from show that we've also established. the seminal Broadway classic Les Mis. A, a show that we've also established that Leah Michelle was in uh, singing the less show-stopping number Castle on a Cloud in her youth. And yes, she belts her ass off and gives a pretty good rendition of Eponine's showstopper on my own. But in this moment, Leah Michelle convinced an entire generation of young thespians that they are Eponines, that they are belters who can handle this song. And I, I don't want to be the one to have to break it to you all here, but a lot of you aren't going to be Eponines in your school plays. A lot of you are going to be Cosettes. And that's fine. A lot of you are going to be ingenues. A lot of you are going to try and spend your teenage years belting eponine, and you're going to give yourself nodes before you're in college. I've seen it firsthand. It is painful to watch a 17-year-old get vocal surgery. Rich, uh, for your world, this is like when a high school kid has to get Tommy John surgery. <laughs> Thank you so much. I was really I was really lost there it, for a second. But it just sets an unrealistic expectation. You are not all going to be Panine. Most of you are going to be Cosette, and that is fine. And I blame Leah Michelle for this as well. I hear I also, you, and oh. I agree with you, but I am <laughs> Eponine. I just want to make that also very well known. Do we have any other audition songs that you want to talk through, Max? I think I fit everything, because after that, we do cut to Artie doing Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat from Guys and Dolls in that first rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. so not great for disability. Not yeah. great to cast an able-bodied actor as a disabled whose, character. Whose parents were quoted after the premiere of the show being, why did we spend all that money on dance lessons? They did have to tell him, stop tapping your toes during the during the dance scenes. <laughs> um, like, that's not a joke. I remember reading oh an interview God. like 15 why? years ago. <laughs> so after that stirring rendition of Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat, um, <laughs> we... <laughs> where everything appears to be a mess. Um, we do get a little bit more background in the high school hierarchy amongst the staff, even. We find out that Sue Sylvester is Queen Bee, but we're introduced to a couple of other characters. We're introduced to the PE teacher slash football coach, uh, Ken, as well as the guidance counselor, Emma Pillsbury, played by uh, Jema Mays. Um, who has to this day the craziest eyes I have ever seen. But she oh. can stare she has stared through my soul. She have you <laughs> have you guys seen all the promos for the new movie Smile? It's very it's very similar to that for me. <laughs> Karama. I'm just I just want to go on record. Do this. So <laughs> I'm waiting for record. Karama to just do the smile and then we find out that she actually was paid by Smile <laughs> to do the promotion. <laughs> We learn a little bit more about Mr. Shu, though. Like, he, he does have a partner um, who works at Sheets and Things, uh, <laughs> which is a great name for a store that shells, sells sheets and things. She uh, shells sheets and things. <laughs> <laughs> if only there was a department store around this time that sold perhaps linens and things. <laughs> <laughs> I think, there was one. I think it was called linen and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we do get a little bit of a picture, though, in like Mr. Shoe's life at home might not be the best um, in the world. Like he married his high school sweetheart, um, whom definitely just does not seem happy that 
He's pursuing things outside of becoming an accountant, which is harder than just applying to become an accountant. I want to just note that. Uh, <laughs> you can't just step into an accountant firm and be like, I'd also like to be an accountant, please. Um, and then we also find that she's upset that they're trying to have a family. They're trying to build their home. But, you know, Mr. Shu is focused on the glory days and Glee itself. But we do get to find out a little bit more about the nightmare of Glee as uh, the former director, Sandy Ryerson, played by Stephen Toblowski, uh, shows up with um, his new side hustle uh, that he's very happy to promote. <laughs> he started selling weed within hours of getting fired. <laughs> Hours. I just, he said, I just tell my doctor feel good that I have trouble sleeping and he gives me all of it I want. <laughs> I love, I love Sandy Ryerson. I Sandy know. Ryerson and Terry Schuster are honestly two of my favorite characters. Not because they're good, but because they are so unabashedly bad. They're just not, <laughs> Terry Schuster, I mean, when she says I'm on my feet four hours a day, three times a week here and you want me to go home and cook my own dinner. I was like, oh. that's the that's the energy I want to have. <laughs> but I am scared of societal expectations of being good and productive. <laughs> Rich, one of the things that at this point in the episode I started to notice was that there was acapella music in the background happening at multiple yeah. points throughout the episode. And it sort of started to be the only thing that stood out to me. Yeah, I... I like, personally, it felt like when you hear about someone with, like, a very specific, uh, like, brain disorder where they're just like, I, you know, I woke up one day in, uh, in my bed and all of a sudden I couldn't stop hearing acapella renditions to things <laughs> like that. <laughs> it was it was kind of like I, I personally. OK, I'm going to tell this to all to three of you right now and eventually to the hundreds of millions of people that listen to this podcast. Uh, I fucking hate acapella music. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. Just play instruments. Just play instruments. Just play instruments. For the love of God, just play instruments. Why would I play instruments when I have my mouth? Yeah. The voice is the instrument. instrument. The original (laughs) instrument. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I hate it so much. I hate it so much. It truly drives me insane. So it was like the entire episode. You know, okay. So look, everyone in this show can sing like crazy it's it's i love that a lot i i just i i truly i truly just don't like like the little acapella like uh background or like transition songs that are happening throughout it it's like i know we have a note here that says it's mostly like quincy jones songs and stuff like that but there's also like you know uh was it uh beethoven's fifth or something like that, that they, they do a fifth of well beethoven. it's it's quincy jones oh, is a fifth right. of beethoven yeah oh oh, oh okay okay um, you yeah, wouldn't know that because was... you played baseball in high school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With Quincy Jones. <laughs> well, then maybe you recognized Saul, Bos- Saul Bosanova from the Austin Powers movies oh, by Quincy Jones. You bet I did. Um, yeah, I just like, I, I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I would love to hear why you guys enjoy it. But whoa, do I really not like that? It's fun. I can do it too. Like, I know I can you go- can. Ba, 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 ba. Like I'm like yeah, they're like me. Wait, Karama, how did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Pause the podcast. Rich With my to... secret instruments. <laughs> yeah, I heard music, but there's no instruments nowhere. You know, Mr. Shoes starts to realize that there's going to be issues. Um, with the talent that he has. 
He's a pro. So there was this whole problematic bit where Rachel Berry basically confronts him and is like, if you can't improve the quality of the talent, I'm out. Where the fuck is she going? Like, in all honesty, what does she have better to do than to, uh, other than post videos on her MySpace page and get made fun of? Like, at least she's not being made fun of her peers who also were in the Glee Club. Like, that's the only thing that sort of, like, revolved in my mind. But he comes to this idea of, I have to have someone from the football team. Um, You have to get someone to lead the pack, as uh, Miss Pillsbury said to him. Um... And then we have a scene that became really iconic, but I was really troubled by where so problematic. Where Finn is singing, uh, I can't fight this feeling any longer, which, great song. Ario Speedwagon, right? Yeah. Yeah, Ario finally Speedwagon. some music that Rich appreciates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you uncultured swine, I'll shit in your wig. So... You we, are the Finn of this group, I hope you know that. I know that, I know that. I also can't sing. Oh no, oh my. Uh, am I Rachel Berry? Is Rachel Berry me? No, I'm unfortunately, I think, I think Karama's Rachel Berry. I know I'm Rachel Berry. And that's I, part I of that's... why I hate Leah Michelle because I see the divinity in me. Well, not divinity. The annoying in me sees the annoying in her. But we have this troubling scene where Mr. Shu hears Finn singing Ario Speedwagon. He's doing fine. I'm just going to say that. He is doing perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Very adequate work. He is Finn is in the shower, and Mr. Shu is a teacher. The last Glee teacher got fired for an inappropriate interaction with the student, and Mr. Shu is just like, you know what? This is real cool. Like, I'm just gonna listen to this under eighteen year old sing uh, while he's completely naked and dancing around with his tids and bits. Um, and <laughs> this, this scene reminded me of uh, the classic Simpsons episode where they form the uh, the B sharps and they oh, find yeah. Barney Gumble in the like singing on the floor of the bathroom with this like beautiful tenor. Uh, for those at home, uh, drink. <laughs> <laughs> we do get like they use narration as a tool once again. We get this really like I think Finn of the characters that they do this on is the most pure of like narration as a tool kid who just really wants to prove his mom uh that she he was worth it like she invested all this time she gave him really everything it's a sweet story um i know darren is not a great guy but darren seems like the fucking man like darren... <laughs> yeah, I, know. I know i was like i always i want to be darren i want I, to come I, up with the like, i want to show up with a giant tanker truck of green yeah, spray paint i want we don't know we don't know what promises yeah. that uh darren made to finn's mom like yeah we truly don't know if it was a Exclusive, or if she just thought it was deeper than it was. Yeah. Darren might have pick and save could have been his soulmate. They might have just been like Darren just came over to paint the grass, and she got upset when she found out he was taken. Like I love the phrase "paint the grass." Yeah, what, <laughs> yeah, what is that career they just invented? No, it's real. It's a real what? thing. Yeah, I googled it. It is real. And do you know I'm what's s- funny? I I'm a coastal elite. I'm from <laughs> California. I saw that on TV and I was like, sure, that's what people in Ohio do. Never questioned it until yesterday. Never oh, questioned no. it. Oh, no. So meanwhile, I apologize Darren's to just, all of our listeners in Ohio. Darren's just gyrating and spraying his hose around, belted, love and touch and squeezing by Journey. And Finn discovers his love of music, hence uh, his passion for the 80s power ballad we see him belting in the shower. And 
Then Mr. Shu decides to show his inner villain tendencies by blackmailing Finn with the little sample of pop that he was given uh, by Sandy. And we then get a very nervous rendition of um, Grease with Rachel Berry very provocatively approaching Finn, even though he does have a girlfriend played by Diana Agron, Jewish princess, who's playing the head yes. of the... Jewish princess. <laughs> um, she is! Yeah, she, she's representing the Chosen, y'all. Um, wow. And... Leah's not doing it! So this part uh, gave me pause in, in this particular part of the episode because, um, for me, someone who does not have musical theater experience, any singing experience whatsoever, I was like, wow, they sound really good for having only practiced, like, maybe twice in in the episode and then they're like as soon as they're done like absolutely fucking belting at each other they're like oh guys we sound like shit why are we why are we so bad at this and and i don't understand like where they were why were they feeling so down on themselves was because they all sound great that's the one thing i think that rich i definitely agree with you these are all great singers right like they're these are all very talented singers for the most part. The thing that they're very bad at, and then they sort of like hide at the end of the episode, we're going to talk about Don't Stop Believing, Don't You Worry, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is that they're like, oh, they figured out choreography because they can all step in line with like the laziest choreography in the world. Um, but <laughs> the like the thing that sort of drove me mad and i think like i don't know about you max or you karama but like i was sort of like i was in choir we did the same like we only did four verses in some times and that was it we did that for an hour how are they learning new songs every single time we see them when are they learning these new songs like coming up with a glee like for singing hoosiers and stuff like that it takes weeks months to come up with like even a single song how the hell do they think they're gonna just upright start and be stars yeah there would be several rehearsals dedicated just to rhythm practice before you even get this thing on its feet oh for sure the time glee exists in a wormhole where time means nothing Mm -hmm. and you can sing a song once and be perfect like i it's not that's not what's happening like one of them would be flat the whole time it would be tina Tina would be flat. After this rendition, they decide that they're going to go and see um, the regional champs from Carmel, Indiana. Um, A fictional town made up for this show. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about Carmel, Indiana. Um, Carmel, Indiana, I can only describe as a very special, very rich suburb of Indianapolis And when you see that show choir step on stage, I could not but help but think, yep, they're from Carmel, Indiana. Um, Max and Rich, did you have any thoughts being former residents of Indiana when seeing the Carmel, Indiana show choir? Carmel, Indiana, for those at home, is like, what if the victory project from Don't Worry Darling was next to a soybean field? (laughs) (laughs) It's also like one of the wealthiest areas of the midwest uh it's like i, I don't know uh, a lot of people have compared it to like the beverly hills of indianapolis um, it's extremely expensive um it has which a concerning amount of roundabouts there's so many <laughs> that is, every round also every, true every turn is a roundabout there's no such thing as a stoplight there i am gonna European. offend i'm gonna offend people from the midwest once again and say <laughs> never never had any question no questions about anything i was like this is just ohio i did not know that carmel was a real place <laughs> 
And I did not know it was not in Ohio. I truly thought that it was just another place in Ohio. But I will say the show does not do a good job of accurately representing Ohio because I heard that there's a school later that's in a different town and they're like, oh, this person switched from this school to that school. And it's like, there's no way someone could commute from one of those schools to the other. <laughs> yeah, just for, um, the, for those at home, a little bit more of Indianapolis adjacent geography. Uh, Ryan Murphy is a graduate of North Central High School in Indianapolis. Uh, and a lot of glee is inspired by his time at North Central, which actually does have a like very big mm-hmm. show choir, like North Central show choir, uh, having gone to Indiana University is a big, big deal. And Carmel uh, High School also has a gigantic show choir program. But it's very much like the public yeah. high school in the city of Indianapolis versus the like affluent suburban show choir. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to talk about how there was not a single singer in the Carmel uh, High School show choir and they were all just Broadway dancers? Um, because I looked up every single one of their IMDBs and none of them have any singing credits whatsoever. I want to discuss if it's appropriate for a bunch of 16 and 17 year olds to sing Rehab by Amy Whitehouse. Of course it is. Uh, It's a popular song. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Is it appropriate? Is it appropriate? I listened yesterday. Can't explain why. I listened yesterday to a kid's bop version of Truth Hurts by Lizzo, where they said, I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100% that kid. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> yes. Why didn't they do Kids Bop instead? <laughs> oh, my God. 100% that kid. Oh, 100% Jesus. that kid. That's amazing. Uh, oh, I hate um, it so much. After, you know, we see the what the ceiling should look like, what national champions look like, everyone's really down. Uh, Mr. Shu is questioning whether or not they're going to be able to. You see him literally shocked in silence as all of them a fun shot um but then they get home and mr shu finds out he's going to be a dad um if you're listening to the podcast um i did use air quotes because i don't even a though great we just medium watched... to use on an audio platform <laughs> <laughs> um the we talked about how his wife is a villain or has villain tendencies um, i love her <laughs> you, you you can't trust her. She has what was it? She had toilet brushes. She had three of the same toilet brushes. Who knows They're if that Balinese? <laughs> Duh. Who knows if she knows how to read a pregnancy? Bol- test. Bolognese. Um, <laughs> Bolognese. <laughs> um, oh, mama mia! <laughs> but after we find this out. Um, there actually was like a nice bit where Emma Pillsbury sort of like tries to be like, you really want to be a Glee show choir director. Like you saw so much joy. Like look at your face when from this recording from 1993 that they definitely couldn't have told his face from. I have video recordings from 1993. They look terrible. Um, but he said, you know, I knew who I was then. And I, for the first time in my life, I know who I am because I'm going to be a dad. And he's going to quit. Um, so Rachel Berry decides she's going to become the Glee Show Choir Director. Um, which of This course is not the last time that that happens on the no, show. No, it is not. It is not. <laughs> for, for those who have watched what? most Aaliyah of the show. What? Aaliyah Michelle Power Grab? How could they? <laughs> um, Again? But as we do get Mr. Shu and Matthew Morrison singing uh, Leaving on a Jet Plane in a fine Sorry, rendition. Fuck, fuck it's this very guy. forgettable. Yeah. Fuck this guy. He walks out on stage. He saunters, just sees the acoustic guitar that happens to be lying on this stool, picks it up. There are so 
many musical overlaps on this performance too. There is no way that he is just playing an acoustic guitar and singing along. There are so many music lines underneath this performance. It is bullshit. Fuck Matthew Morrison. Um... <laughs> I, Matthew Morrison is truly a jump scare at this point in my life. Like when I see him, I'm I'm afraid. I mm. we're so, we're going to spend this entire episode at least shitting on every single person in this in this show, except for Stephen Toblowski and Amber Riley, <laughs> and Jesslyn Gilsig, who plays Terry Schuster. <laughs> During that, we do get the um, realization of Finn thinks, "Oh, I'm going to quickly, it's over." Um, Finn sort of has this like turning of foot where he realizes like you know what no i'm not gonna pick on Artie. how they got him in the uh, did they get him in to the porter potty with the wheelchair i have a lot of questions on the logistics of that and how they did it uh, and got him in there just in general but let's dedicate at least 20 minutes to yeah, that <laughs> you know what 30 minutes just to porter i have potty a logistics. diagram here actually no, i'm kidding <laughs> karama in your in your most bullying years how would you yeah. say you would the one would do that <laughs> Uh, we could talk about like bullying techniques for an hour in the show because it's it's, it's traumatizing um yeah there's some really harsh names used in this too like oh, some real yeah. harsh name calling big time after that though finn sort of takes the leadership role like that is his awakening as the leader of the glee club that mr shu was looking for as they are leaving the football field we see the fucking man darren again and he's rocking out to don't stop believing and I don't know how much money Journey made after Glee came out, but I so have to money. assume. I actually oh my much god! Money. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Is that is that the quiz of the day? <laughs> no, it is. It is not. However, it is related to that. Is uh, Darren there, or is that a fever dream? No, it was. That's my question. I feel like okay. So when I watched it when I was eighteen, I thought it was a dream. But when I watched it yesterday, I was like. I think he's there. I think Darren's just chilling out, painting the grass. Is Darren painting the football field, or is this like Finn projecting this image of a person he admired as a young boy, being like, oh, I'm becoming the person I looked up to when I was young. So the reason I think that I'm going to be a truther on this and say they weren't there uh, because uh, the woman from the pick and save was literally propped up on top of the truck like a like a mud flap design, and I don't think anyone in their right mind would actually just sit there and pose like that in the sun. Yeah, she's giving a like Tawny Katane in a white snake video in that moment. Yeah, I will say I just assumed that's what happened in Ohio. I truly don't know <laughs> what goes on in the middle. Call of the up country. your grass painter. <laughs> but we end this show with. The song that was heard around the world, right? Everyone heard Don't Stop Believing in 2009. Why is Finn still carrying a football helmet at this point? <laughs> I did notice Why that Why does he still too. have that in his hand? He walked he all walks the way to the, the auditorium. He is on the auditorium stage still holding a football helmet. Why? I never noticed that. I truly have not seen that. I'm looking in his face. I'm like, that's my boy. I, I love Corey Monty. That's another person that I will never talk shit on. Yeah. Love Corey Monty. And His audition, I, yeah. I cry when I watch Glee just because I'm like, oh, Corey's dead and I will never see him do anything else ever again. And I have like a serious problem with rewatching Glee and crying and then not being able to watch a couple of... Uh, a couple of days and then being able to watch again and then crying and then just a vicious cycle. Yeah, like the way this episode ends is so pure. You can't not be like everyone kills it 
the the fake jazz band that is pretending to play the instruments does great. <laughs> Already has a guitar solo that tells me he's never played the guitar a day in his no, life. Ev- why does everyone hold the uh, hold instruments in this in, in this show like they've never seen one before? He's holding it like a bass. Um, <laughs> Finn's just playing away on those drums just he can well, like, he actually, drums. like that's the wild part is he auditioned by doing a drum like a video of him drumming that was what? how he did the open auditions and because he knew he couldn't sing and really when I yeah like I'm not joking he literally did a drum audition and then they brought him in for a second audition they had they forced him to sing and they were like good enough We'll get you like a vocal coach to get you in a better place. So over the course of the show, the history of the show, and this is one of the really cool things. They say like one of the throwaway lines that Mr. Shu says is like, I think we can get you to a high B. He was able to like by the end of the show hit like a C or a, a high C or a high D. And because of the vocal coach, which is amazing, like That's talking about boy. a man in his 20s being able to hit that range while not having any singing experience, like that, de- that deserves an Emmy award or a Grammy or something. I don't know who <laughs> we talked to about getting a posthumous <laughs> award to Corey Monteith, but he deserves it. Um, but the show ends with Mr. Shu deciding I'm back. Y'all like yeah. he is, he's fully bought in. He sees the potential again and the show ends. Um, yeah, just from the top blackout. Yeah. I will say one of the important things that you did leave out, Jeff, is yeah. that we do get really little, we get shots of Sue Sylvester and two mm. of her Cheerios. Quinn, who we've established is um, Finn's girlfriend and head of the celibacy club, and Santana Lopez, who becomes very important later in the show. And uh, we also see uh, a shot of Puck, who's the football player who farts in the scene with Mr. Shu. <laughs> and uh, we get to see these like antagonists future antagonists so we get a, a hint of what's to come Ooh, foreshadowing we love that here yeah mm-hmm. it, it does a good job of setting up what's to come for the future so we talked a lot about a lot of different things was yes. there anything that you really loved about this pilot that you were like i just want to give it a few seconds of praise or a few minutes of praise yes um <laughs> i the scene on the bleachers with Rachel, where, yes, she does make an insane demand. She's like, I am going to leave if you don't. I need a male lead that can keep up with me vocally. And I'm just like, first of all, Artie was singing fine. Like, yep. you're being ableist. You just don't think he can sing because he's in a wheelchair. Um, But I do love, there's like a raw emotion of like, he's like, you changed out of your costume. And she said, I'm tired of people laughing at me. I mean, he asked the question we're all asking, you're like, you think Glee Club can change that? But... <laughs> The idea that being a part of something special makes you special and how she feels like her time to like make a make an impact in high school and have a place in high school is disappearing. And I feel like I identified with that a lot um, when I watched it as a teenager and I still identify with it a lot as an adult, as a professional adult. I'm like, God, I see these people getting these shows, having these hits and all of that stuff. And I'm like, is my time ticking away and being a part of something special? does make you feel special. I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm a big team mentality person. Although this show was written by Ryan Murphy, so there are some dark things that happen in this show, there are a lot of really sweet messages associated with it. It really, like, I was debating with my partner about this in the idea of, like, hey, like, I think Ryan Murphy hit the scene with Nick. Personally, I think that is what put him on the map. 
And she was like, no, it was Glee and then American Horror Story. Um, For me, it but, was popular. Yeah. And, and then there is popular. like, And that's not in my discography of Ryan Murphy. But like, I recognize that that was a popular show. But it just shows how well done and like how brilliant he is as a writer. That he can have these dark, terrifying jokes about waterboarding and about like false pregnancies, which... Spoiler alert, it's a false pregnancy. Um, and You ran ahead. I know, I did. Um, but it, I, I really, like, well done by him on just doing such, like, a show that makes us feel things not, like, and brings us back to high school and those senses that we had. Um, anything else that y'all really loved about the podcast as a, or not the podcast, everyone loves the podcast, about the pilot as a whole. Rich, this is your first time, and as a non-musical person, I would love to hear how you Yeah, I, I want to know what the non-musical theater choir boy thinks of this. Yeah, how's the weather over there? <laughs> I was not a fan. I just didn't like it. I, I just, I, 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 there, there are plenty of redeeming moments. I, I think personally, like, you know, this came out in 2009 so i think that the the football player going towards like a dramatic or arts thing uh in a in any sort of show or or play or anything like that i think it's really worn out i don't know how worn out it was in 2009 so it was high like musical had already was, i feel like yeah, high school musical was three came years out before this oh three years before so yeah, yeah i personally like i i'm not a huge fan of musicals in general i i you know or or just like i know i know i know i know i can hear <laughs> everyone can hear the eyes rolling i'm watching you lose a friend <laughs> so if you're if you're if this is any any endorsement of our youtube channel you get to watch rich lose a friend live <laughs> tune, in this, tune in this week rich alienates everyone who he loves yeah rich you're gonna be on my own <laughs> i personally i think i i would give this show more views like i would watch more of it i just like i i want to see where everything goes to sue sylvester like i i really think uh, jane lynch is fucking hilarious as a villain um and uh, for me, she's my favorite part of this. I also love the absolute 2009 brag of her owning an iPhone. Yeah, is an absolute status symbol. That's probably my favorite part of this so far. But um, as someone invested literally not at all with any of the music that's happening, I'm I'm excited to see where the environment that's so toxic that she creates. I just love so many of the one-liners throughout this and whatever contribution of uh, Murphy and Brennan it is. Uh, I love Sue Sylvester calling an interview a phoner. Uh, the <laughs> phrasing of that is so delightful to me. Um, I love everything in the Rachel Berry uh, like voiceover exposition scene where she talks about using gold stars because it's a metaphor and metaphors are important. I learned that metaphors are important through Rachel Berry. Um, her, her hot stuff laptop sticker is so great to me. Um, the absolute bonkers revelation of she doesn't know which of her two dads is her real dad <laughs> is utter chaos. It is so unhinged to me. Very funny. But yeah, and then just like Mercedes line too, uh, uh, where they're doing the grease scene of saying I'm a Beyonce, ain't no Kelly Rowland. Like that I was love, such a great line. I love this, like the the specificity of the one-liners. 
there's <laughs> there's so much over the top humor. I really do appreciate that everyone in this cast is playing at a nine or a ten, and then somehow Leah Michelle is acting in a different show when everyone's already playing to the last row of the back. <laughs> um, it, I, I don't know. It's it's fun. It's campy. Uh, the energy is just, it's easy to watch. Like I could see how you could just go through episodes of this and lose track of time. I do want to give one thing that I love. We, if you're listening to this and you don't think I think Darren is the man, you're nuts. But also, (laughs) (laughs) but also. Jeff has a mullet. Watch the YouTube feed of this. He has cut his hair into a mullet. We Uh, want more Darren. But also, Ken sounds like a solid hang. They got monster truck rally seats and like, even though he- absolute psycho around women though. I I think he does not understand social cues, which is an entirely different podcast and conversation. But I'd hang out with Ken just to take the seats to the monster uh, truck rally as a whole. I am not a Ken Tanaka fan. However, I do think Truckosaurus Rex sounds super cool. Like, that sounds fun. It sounds so cool. (laughs) I would use him for his tickets and only his tickets. Does Uh, it have tiny arms? I I would hope so. If it doesn't, I'm really disappointed leaving leaving that event. Um, Any wait-a-minute moments for you of things that just sort of stuck out and maybe didn't age that well? This this was bad then, but... Artie in a wheelchair as a yeah. non-wheelchair using, him as using... A prop. oh that is funny though like I think yeah. it speaks to <laughs> I think it speaks to Rachel's character that she's just like I'm gonna push the wheelchair and if you look at Mr. Shu's face in that moment he's like come on Rachel there is a boy in the chair. <laughs> Some of these jokes and one-liners by Ryan Murphy and Ian Brennan also are incredibly stuck in 2009. Uh, I take issue with the high school principal taking a dig on Glee Club for only having five kids and one of them's a cripple. Like, that's a really that messed wild. up thing for a high school principal to say about a student, like, as a person in an educator's role. Uh, the sign-up sheet in the football locker room having the names Gaylord Wiener, Butt Munch, and Penis. Uh, that's not dated, it's just lazy. Uh, for, and, and then, of course, the constant layering of musical parts and vocal harmonies that are, are clearly not, not there. Like, shoe uh, singing John Denver, and there's, like, multiple guitar parts underneath here. Uh, I don't know where all of these vocal lines are coming from in Don't Stop Believing. Like, the arrangement does not match the number of people on stage. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just be a part just, of the magic. Just, <laughs> Let it happen. Just, just give in. Give in. It's about the journey, not the destination. Hey. Oh. <laughs> Max, don't stop believing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'd love to talk a little bit about the show Legacy. So this epi- this show had six seasons and a movie. Uh, <gasps> shout out to Community. Uh, wow. 121 episodes. They did Glee 3D concert movie, um, as well as Remember a Remember when Glee... everything was in 3D for a couple of years? Yeah. <laughs> this it was is like right... a cyclical thing, though. Like, everything yeah. was in 3D for a couple of years, every, like, 15 to 20 years. Yeah. Um, they also did a live tour. Um, I believe Leah Michelle was not in the tour, which tracks. 
Um, <laughs> as far as the show itself, it was syndicated worldwide. Viewership um, ratings peaked in season one, but viewership peaked in season two, and then everything started to slowly go down. Um, the show won 78 awards off of 194 nominations, including Jesus. six Emmys, four Golden Globes, and three Writer Guild Awards, and it wow. almost... Um, I am trademarking this as achieved the From the Womb to the Grave Award, uh, patent pending, uh, winning a Kids Choice Award, a Teen Choice Award, and a People's Choice Award. It was so close. Uh, it did not win a People's Choice. It didn't win a teen, uh, Kids Choice Award. I think it might have been a little bit too adult. Because as we all know, you're a kid, then you're a teen, and then you're yeah, a people. you're a person. <laughs> <laughs> you're a people. <laughs> Um, it was even nominated for a Grammy. Jane Lynch won a Golden Globe as well as Chris Colfer won a Golden wow. Globe, um, which is amazing. And then Neil Patrick Harris also won a Golden Glo- won a um, Golden Globe for best uh, like one time actor on a show. He was in like two episodes. And Ryan okay. Murphy won one for best director. But I think what this show really left was it brought back the idea of like TV musicals are yes. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it did. Like, Without Glee, we never would have had Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. We 100%. never would have had Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, for which I am so glad that we have it, because I think that's an it, amazing show. I'm it's a an important Rachel show. I'm a Rachel Bloom fan. I was yeah, going to say, now you work with Rachel Bloom. So. Yeah, I yes. was about to say, like, literally, I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I think it's Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is what Glee might have wanted to be, in all honesty. Like, that is a show that ended way too early, it had a very nice story arc and it was ended nicely. But like, if you have not watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Zoe's Extraordinary Hit Playlist, Galavant, like, Parama, you put a list together of shows that I'm just like, yes, 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 and yes. Like, And I, I forgot the one. There's this one that's like a southern town where there's church happening. Um, I don't remember the name of the show, but there was like another musical show that was on recently that I was I was, like, I was just about to say, my wife and I recently started Monarch, uh, which stars mm-hmm. Susan Sarandon. And that is like, what an ode to country. It's not in the same vein of like that, but there's enough music where you're like, yeah, I'm into this. Like, I can definitely just sit down and watch Susan Sarandon. Um, I'm not going to spoil that show because, boy, could I. Um, as far as other legacies, it's a little bit complicated. Does anyone want to talk about sort of what happened post-Glee with a lot of the folks? I know who I want to hear from. I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. Um, so, three of the original cast members, so three people that are in this very pilot that we are discussing, are now dead. And... I am like, is the Glee cast cursed? It's a little bit crazy to think of a cast that was so young and on a show that was not that long ago, having that high of a percentage of main characters be dead. It's not like, oh, that girl that walked by one time. No, named characters. So the actors in order of death are Corey Monty and then Mark Salling, who played Puck, the guy with the mohawk, and most recently, Naya Rivera, who played Santana Lopez, who I don't believe speaks in this episode for more than like a line, if at all, uh, but is a huge character later on. I don't think we've talked about this, but the one thing that I am sympathetic about with Leah Michelle is that she was absolutely, utterly, and totally in love with Corey Monteith, and Mm -hmm. they were dating when he passed. It is very tragic to be in love with somebody that you work so closely with and to have to continue working on that project without that person 
and to have your grief be very public and not really be able to express it. Now, is that maybe part of the reason that she was such a nightmare? Probably not. He died in season four. So um, way more than halfway through the show's run. Uh, but I do say that is the one area where like I am sympathetic toward Leah Michelle. Um, but the other legacy is a lot of the people from Glee who are not like doing other things. Like a lot of main cast members have not been successful in the entertainment industry beyond that. Like Kevin McHale, don't really know what he's doing. Uh, I will say Amber Riley, suspected to currently be the harp on The Masked Singer. Uh, we don't oh, know I if it's her this. for sure. But yeah. I heard her singing and I was like, oh, that's Amber. Mm -hmm, Matthew 100%. Morrison absolutely sold his soul to the devil to get <laughs> Mr. Shu. Uh, I can name two prominent Matthew Morrison roles after Glee's run. The first is he is a lead in the film Tulip Fever, which is a, one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but also a oh truly boy. cursed production. A movie that was set to come out in 2014 in the thick of Glee's run, when it would have been a big deal to have Matthew Morrison in the lead, ends up getting delayed all the way until 2017. Whoa! And also is the movie from the Weinstein Company that came out right as all no. of the Harvey Weinstein allocations were breaking. No. Yikes. After that, the only thing we could find to do with Matthew Morrison was to put him in the most painted green, probably by Darren, uh, prosthetics to make him play the Grinch yeah. in a live TV musical, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I will say, Matthew Morrison also did do um, a guest character, a guest star arc on Grey's Anatomy, where he played an abuser who ends up accidentally dying. Uh, and he also was in one episode of MTV's Younger, starring Sutton Foster and Hilary Duff, where he played a man who fucked a sheep. So now he will oh always gosh. be he will always be Link Larkin from the original Broadway cast of Hairspray. There will always be that to a large generation of musical theater lovers. There's also a lot of stuff about Matthew Morrison being a terrible person as well. Stories about his broken engagement with Chriselle Strauss of Selling Sunset, a show that comes up on this podcast way too much. Um, Drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, like with Chris Colfer, I know that he is a author. Um, yes. He writes a fantasy series that's actually pretty well um, done, pretty well. Um, I know that Kevin McHale uh, was on actually one of the seasons of American Horror Stories. Um, oh, he was okay. on a one episode that was really good about like influencers in LA that I highly recommend. Um, he is a TikToker. That's his, that's his big yeah. thing now. And then Jane Lynch is just killing oh, she's it. She's a household yeah. name. She, she's, yeah. she's just, she's absolutely murdering as a she's whole. She's the one person who never needed this show to, yeah. to continue on to success. I mean, I, I, think, I don't think she needed it, but I think it is the thing that made Jane it, Lynch a household name. Yeah, it, it's absolutely. the thing that launched her from like Christopher Guest movie character. Wow actress to like mainstream because like Not yes she down. is fan she is fantastic <laughs> on the first it was on stars rich no yeah. one watched party down in <laughs> no real one. time <laughs> if you had no stars you wanted down HBO. when it was on <laughs> you wanted hbo if you had stars that's how party it down is coming back enough people watched yeah. it to get it a revival Although, Parama, say, we might have to we have might have to have you back because we're going to do party down fairly soon sure I'll, I'll be back here as many times as you'll have me um, yeah. But hey. I found out that Party Down was coming back because I was going for a walk on the Paramount lot and I saw some like carts that said like golf carts that said Party Down on them. I'm like, what year is it? <laughs> <laughs>
Well, you know, we do like to take questions, uh, in-flight calls, as we like to call them, from our passengers and our podcast listeners. And we do have one question, and I'm going to pose it to all of you. If Don't Stop Believing is not available for the end song, what song are you replacing it with? All right, so I will start us off because I have a list of seven. Um, So first of all, I have a list of just songs that I think Darren would be listening to uh, because (laughs) (laughs) Darren's the man. Because Darren's the fucking man. And uh, we're going to start off with We're Not Gonna Take It by the Pointer Sisters. Uh, We're then going to have Living on a Prayer, Bon Jovi, Uh, Faith by George Michael, Freedom by George Michael, and then You Make My Dream Come True by Hall & Oates. Wow. As well as Take On Me by AHA. Uh, (laughs) And then I have one that I just want, which is Take a Chance on Me by ABBA. Oh, I like that. I would absolutely listen to a mixtape that Darren made me. So this is so we're we're definitely going off of songs that like have more of a rock and roll feel. Like they want to be like they want to be like different. They want to have like that inspiration from uh, the mirage of Darren, who clearly he definitely like died in some explosion or something like that before <laughs> any of those. There's no way. There's no way. The he's green still alive. paint tanker blew. <laughs> it blew up. Um, I think I just gotta go. Here I go again by White Snake. Oh, I think that's that, a I really think solid that's choice. A, that's a real Darren song. I so I song. was thinking long and hard about why people connected so much with Don't Stop Believing, like why it blew up. And the answer I came to when I landed on is because Don't Stop Believing was featured in The Sopranos. Uh, it's a very <laughs> it's a very similar overlap in terms of fan bases, Glee and Sopranos. So I was thinking, what's a song that was not only featured, but actually sung on The Sopranos that would make for a great finale. And, uh, well, I know that Leah Michelle is an alto and a belter, but even though the song was sung by a soprano, I think it's in her wheelhouse. And that's the 1972 classic Dirty Work by Steely Dan, which was featured in episode one of season three of The Sopranos when Tony drives around singing in his car being trailed by FBI agents. Uh (laughs) All right, so here's the problem. The problem is teen girls are probably the biggest demo that this was targeted toward, right? I was a teen girl. I fell in love with the show. Teen (laughs) girls are also the target demo of the CW classic that ran for 15 seasons, Supernatural. A show that is very heavily associated with one song that I think would be perfect in this would it not give people the association with Supernatural. And that is Carry On by Kansas. I feel like that would have been the perfect song both to evoke the sense of like hope for the future and also a Darren choice. But the reason that I wouldn't do it is because of Supernatural, because that is the song of Supernatural. Every season, at the end of the season and the finale, they play it, do the montage of what's happened so far that season. It is the best. I love it. It brings me to life. Um, Oh, I'm changing mine to Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. Can't wake up. <laughs> if you would like to leave us a question, you can feel free to DM us or give us a call at 213-290-1713 and we'll make sure to answer you on our next 
episode. With that, Rich, it's your time to shine, my man. It is yeah. Rich's game of the week. As as a as a business major, I have thought about how much all these episodes have cost so like so frequently during uh dur- while watching this pilot. Because they have like I don't know like fourteen copyrighted songs throughout this entire uh, throughout this pilot something like that. But I did want to ask uh, Karama. I think you're going to know the answer to this. But uh, for those of us <laughs> for those of us that didn't watch Glee all the way, I want everyone here to to take a second with this list and think about who what individual artist was used the most on the run of Glee. And I have a few options for you, and you can pick which one. Uh, Katy Perry, Stevie Wonder, Madonna, Michael Jackson, Lady Gaga, Billy Joel, Elton John, and Adele. Which of these artists do you think was used the most in the entire run of Glee in the six seasons? So off the bat, I'm trying to think about artists who had a good base of song prior to this show being released, because Glee is like 09 to 15 in terms of its run. Mm-hmm. So mathematically, I'm probably thinking it's not Katy Perry, it's not Adele. Their discographies were a little bit shorter at this point. I think Perry's third album, Prism, came out uh, probably close in that like 14, 15. I remember her like on the giant line at the Super Bowl. Uh, Adele, same deal. I think she only has two records at this point. I am going to go with uh, Madge herself, Madonna. I'm thinking very similarly to you, Max, because I'm going into my nerd SAT brain, and there's two artists on here that are very similar in genre. And I think one of them is on here as a trick, so I won't pick the other. Um, And that is Billy Joel and Elton John are just staring me in the face as gentlemen with gigantic discography that have piano as their mainstay. So I am going to go with Elton John. I pick Lady Gaga. Ooh, all of these are all of these great picks. Uh I will say that one of you got it correct and it is Max Singer. It was Madonna. Wow. With 19. I almost guessed Madonna because they did a Madonna episode. They also did a Gaga episode, but I think it was yeah. a split yeah, Gaga Katie episode. Mo- mm. Most of these they did episodes for, I think. Like they did individual like there was a Michael Jackson episode, there's a Stevie Wonder episode, etc. Um uh, but yeah, Madonna has 19 songs in the run of Glee, which is the most of any individual artist. Wow. The most of any more than group Britney? of artists is more than they Britney. They had two Britney episodes. Yeah, somehow more than Britney. But uh, and then the obviously the number one uh, group that they used for this was the Beatles. They had the most songs of of any uh, of any group on uh, on Glee. I don't like the Beatles. That's what that face. I, I saw the face. I think our entire audience knew your music preference instantly. Um, so with that all said I think we've really looked at Glee as a whole I think I know what everyone's in but I would love to hear do you think the show could be made today and would you continue watching this show given the opportunity I'm going to jump in and say yes I think that uh, the we definitely could make this show today uh, I don't know how music copyright laws have changed since 2009 but I don't think there's as much of an incentive anymore for bands to be part of this like I know there was a lot of bands that like very blatantly didn't want to be part of this i think as long as there is a benefit for the music industry that the show could today and would you watch it Rich? i would i, I would give it a couple <laughs> Yay, more episodes honestly go. i know i know i know I yeah 100 um i know one 
musicals just rule. We need more musicals all the time. I want to see just musicals everywhere on every channel I turn to on my television. Uh, I'm also thinking about the boost in sales that uh, two 80s artists got this past year from Stranger Things with Kate mm -hmm. Bush and Metallica mm -hmm. having huge resurgences. Um, Darren definitely will show me some good Metallica deep cuts. Absolutely. Um, so yes, th this show could be made today, and I think there's still incentive for artists to give their music and seeing some sort of boost in sales and boost in popularity. Um, that being said, based on the episode I watched personally, I don't think I would keep going back to this well. Um, it just, it didn't really quite do it for me. I, 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 I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think I'm a one and done when it comes to Glee. Wow. So Karama, what... I, I think I know your <laughs> as, answer. As someone who's actively rewatching this think, for the umpteenth time. Based I off think of the you pilot. I don't know my answer. I think you don't know my answer. Um, one, <laughs> I actually do not think that we could still make this show today. I think the world has changed a lot, um, more than we give ourselves credit for. And I think part of the thing, it's a difficult thing to answer because I think Glee actually helped the world change so much. And so many of the things that we sort of take for granted like queer characters on television mm -hmm, mm -hmm. are yeah. things and there were obviously queer characters on television before glee i mean the l word predates glee uh queerest folk predates glee two queerest folks predate glee i'm not saying they invented gay people uh, <laughs> but uh, Robert, that's the like... sound bite for the for the episode <laughs> oh uh, yeah we're just putting that on <laughs> <laughs> um but in terms of like a show that was meant for families to watch at prime time and that took place in middle America, that's an unheard of, un unparalleled, like huge cultural shift. And they Glee invented Ohio. Glee <laughs> invented Ohio. Yes. As far Guys, as I Ohio was concerned. Ohio sounds so nice. Yes. I wish it were real. <laughs> but, um... I do think that part of the reason I don't think you could make it today is just like there's the, the there are the continued references to MySpace. Like Rachel says that she does videos on her MySpace and yep. um, she big, like, big moment for cyberbullying. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Shu has a line where he's like, "All these kids feel invisible. That's why they have that's why they all have MySpace pages." I think the kids don't feel invisible in the same ways anymore. And I think in terms of finding an audience for this in the current climate of media. I don't think it would capture people in the same way. So I don't think it would be made. I think maybe the pilot would get made. I don't know if it would get picked up to series or if it did, if it would go on longer than one. Um, For sure. Would I keep watching it? The answer is technically yes, because I have seen all six seasons of Glee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, but if I watch that show today, not having any sort of emotional relationship to it, um, I think yes, but if I watched it as you all have for the first time, knowing sort of the behemoth that Glee became, I don't know that I would. I'll finish this out in saying, I think that this show could absolutely be made today, specifically going into business school mind with the idea of like the TikTok and trying like mm. TikTok trends and trying to pick True. up on like, just like Max referenced with Stranger Things, um, running up that hill is like blew up on TikTok in a matter of moments after that show came out and that episode came out. I could see a lot of people doing the dances and stuff like that on TikTok. I think that was actually a thing when Musical.ly was still a thing where mm -hmm. and Vine was still a thing. People were doing it on Vine. Um, with that being said, as far as me watching this show, I would put this show in the category of 
I'm doing other things while this is on the background. Um, it's a folding sock show. Yeah, it is. I call it those is a, laundry shows. Yeah. It's a yes. laundry show. It's a cleaning the house show. It's something that you're listening to just like the radio, except it's not as good as the original song. Um, you know, like you are purely using this as fluff or just background noise. And that's fine. Those exist. Uh, there's a reason that there are so many channels on TV and there are so many shows that are just on TV that people have never heard of. So with that being said, as we are landing this plane, um, it has been quite a journey, but I would love <laughs> to be able to... It's been have, a cross-country flight. It's been, a, yeah, a cross-country flight, but an enjoyable one and a smooth one. The jet lag will set it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to know where to find all of you outside of this podcast. Uh, Karama, do you mind telling us where we can find? I wish not to be perceived, actually. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> kidding. Uh, you can find me on all platforms as Karama Drama, K-O-R-A-M-A-D-R-A-M-A. That's Twitter, Instagram, and don't look at my TikTok. It's very embarrassing. Everyone uh, go at her on TikTok. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Instagram at damn that's rich, and uh, you can find Max and my comedy on TikTok. Follow us on TikTok after you follow Karama uh, at Dadwagon Comedy. Uh, you can find me on all things social media at Maxwell Singh, and you can find me at Run Jeff Run on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at TV Pilots License. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. And make sure to watch out for our Instagram for a sneak preview of some of our upcoming episodes. With the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again sometime soon. And until then, stay great, stay safe, and have a great